0: This podcast is brought to you by Blue Guardian and is for entertainment purposes only.
1: I just trade the one minute and I just trade a specific window of time. It really helps me cut out the noise. That being said, people say one minute has a lot of noise anyway, but I'm not flipping through a bunch of time frames to try and make a decision. I just see what's there and I react to it. Biggest payout, I think it was a 200k account. I pushed for about, well, I think it got $12,000 off of that, which isn't, a whole ton. It's about 6%. I learned smart money before I learned ICT. And so after that, I started to learn a lot of things when it came to ICT and I started incorporating them slowly into my strategy. And eventually ICT almost completely took over. There's a few like hacks essentially that you can use with prof firms that you can't really use with trading conventionally with a broker. And that's one of the biggest things
0: that helped me was episode 230 what's up traders we've got ethan garland in the house today who's an ict style trader $600,000 funded he also trades with a one minute one time frame strategy that's got a high win rate you're going to find out what that strategy is and exactly how it works in a future video that we shot with him it's dropping on the channel soon so make sure you hit subscribe on that youtube channel to get access to it trust me this is an absolute doozy of a strategy other things you might not know about ethan is that he's actually funded by my new sponsor blue guardian so uh These guys are sponsoring the show. And to kick things off, we've got an awesome competition for you guys to take part in. So listen up. There's one of three $50,000 evaluations to win. If you pass the evaluation, you get the fully funded 50K account. And trust me, these rules are so flexible compared to any other prop firm I've seen. You're going to find out more about them when the ad pops up in a second. Now to enter, there's a couple of questions on a form. To find the form, go to the podcast or YouTube description. There'll be a link in there. Click on that. You've got until the end of this week to jump on board that competition and have a chance to win. If you're listening to this a bit too late, then don't worry, there's that 10% off coupon code TRADINGNUT, or one word, that's going to save you 10% at Blue Guardian anyway. Other things going on, we've got another trader up on the live streams this coming week or next week where he is trading a... $100,000 blue guardian evaluation so if you want to check that out all you need to do is jump over to that youtube channel hit subscribe and make sure you don't miss those live streams as they hit there's other traders up there as well other things i'm thinking of doing is potentially taking ethan's strategy and automating it as part of my robot lab live it may or may not happen but if you do want to get involved there's a one dollar troll check it out link for that in the description as well all right folks enough from me let's hear from my new sponsor blue guardian and get on with the show Our prop firm sponsor, Blue Guardian, allows traders to trade any style that works for them. EAs and trade copiers are allowed, trade through the weekends, and trade news. The way you trade is fully up to you. Blue Guardian also has one of the best dashboards on the market, giving you full control of your trades and trade data. And on top of this, built into the dashboard is the Guardian protector that helps protect you from hitting that max daily loss and stops you over trading. Guard up to 400k in capital with Blue Guardian and receive super fast profit splits in just 14 days. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation.
2: Alright folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Ethan Garland in the house, uh, an SMC ICT trader who is 600k funded. Can't wait to hear the story. So welcome to the show, Ethan. Hey, Cam. Thanks for having me. So all the way over there in South Africa, um, we're going to start off by finding out how you got into trading and learn that journey. How did it all all come about?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, trading's been, you know, a longish journey for me. I've been doing it for about, you know, four and a half years now. Um, basically, you know, I've always been into, you know, like business and that kind of stuff, and I've always been trying to do, you know, like, online businesses. And I, I did like a little bit of, I think a lot of traders would have said this, like when they started out, but it's doing like drop shipping and that kind of stuff. It wasn't quite working out. And I um, eventually I got a few, there were a few things that started working out for me. Um, I started to do okay with like a small online business. Um, but mainly um, yeah, I, I I I came across trading and I was just like, why would I go into, into business where, um, you know, I'm making a little bit every month where I could instantly scale with trading. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I, I, I started where everybody starts, you know, I started with, you know, the signal services, the, the gurus, the courses, all of that kind of stuff where everybody starts, um, spent a whole bunch of money on courses, spent a whole bunch of money on accounts, blowing them. That's, you know, part of the school fees, like they say. And, um, From there, I pretty much just continued to to keep losing and keep losing. And um, yeah, I mean, eventually I started to click with a lot of different, I found a lot of different, let's call them loopholes, almost like hacks that you could use to to trade and leverage your account in a special kind of way that allowed me to um, trade in a way that was more profitable and eventually I got my edge, um, when it came to trading. Um, yeah, I mean, a trading was always a thing of, it's a business for me. It's another way to make money. Um, and so it's like a diversity of income and, um, you know, we, we were all in the same place. We were in a like nine to five job. I actually worked in, in retail and it was really, really terrible. <laughs> and I worked really, really long hours. And, um, so i wanted out and i had all these little businesses but trading soon overtook everything for me
2: right and so so let's dive into that journey of the of the the losing trader blowing accounts you know going through course after course how how did what were some of the things from from that journey that you can share with the audience that might help them get over some hurdles that they may be facing at the moment
1: well so basically one of the key things that i learned and i You know, you make friends with a lot of people as you're going on your journey. And I had made friends with a lot of people on the same path as I was in the same place in their journey as I was. And um, as I was going along the journey, I started to see that people started breaking on their journey. Like you could see that people were struggling psychologically and they just couldn't handle the fact that they were losing money and not getting anything back. So we all start off and a lot of us start off just funding accounts and blowing them. And um, so, you know, you know how it is because you see gurus, you see all of them trying to flip accounts and 10 X their accounts, hundred X, all those kinds of crazy things. And you're like, Oh, so that's what trading is, but that's not what trading is obviously. And it takes you, you know, time to learn that. Um, but, you know, a lot of that, is what people are trying to uh, strive to to do. And Mm -hmm. that ends up breaking people because they realize that it's, that's impossible. So as they're trying to do that, they realize I'm just losing money and I'm going to just continue to lose money. And it eventually breaks them psychologically. And, um, so a lot of the, the people that I was on that journey with just stopped, um, which as most do, and that's why most people don't make it in the industry. So, Yeah. One of the main things is, is you have to have a strong mentality and you also have to have there's two different things that you have to have. You have to have something you're running towards and something you're running away from. And if you're the thing you're running away from is really strong and the thing you're running towards is really strong, then you're going to make it because you've got both motivations. You've got something pulling and you've got something pushing you and something I you're running away from. And for me, obviously, that was my really terrible nine-to-five job. Um, it was hell on earth. And then what I was running towards, and I, I had like a really strong belief that I would make it. And um, I feel like I'm starting to to move towards that now. And, you know, all of the pieces start to fall, to, fall together. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that doubt you along the way. Um, obviously, and that's the other key thing. Um, you have to be really strong psychologically to deal with friends and family who doubt you, who judge you because ultimately in the trading and forex and general space, um, it's associated with a lot of scamming, a lot Mm -hmm. of under the table type of dealings. And you have to have the strength to say, that's not what I'm part of. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to make quick money. This is a long-term thing for me and I'm going to make it one day. And this is my vision for what I'm going to be doing. And you run towards that and you block out what everybody else says and you run towards your vision and that's it. You have to have a really strong vision and a really strong motivation.
2: And, and can so you share, share what, your, what your motivation was, your vision that, that, that you're aiming for?
1: Well, the thing is like, when you come from humble beginnings and that's also why like a lot of people, I believe like um, a lot of people that do well one day, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, Elon Musk or anything crazy. I'm just a guy. Um, But um, when it comes to people that make it one day, a lot of them come from really humble beginnings and that's because they've had the motivation from, you know, a young age and they've had a vision from a young age that they were going to, you know, um, whatever it is, um, you know, support their family and, um, you know, make a life, you know, live a life that's extraordinary, um, rather than just, you know, going day to day. And that's pretty much what I wanted to do. You know, for me, like I'm a really big, like car guy, I love cars and I want to drive a nice car one day. I don't want to die having not driven, you know, the car that I dream of and I want to travel. So I don't want to die not having traveled to the places that I lived want to, want to, want to go to. And so the only way to do that is to be financially free and to have, you know, you're not, you know, not being enslaved in the system and also having, you know, the money and time freedom, so obviously that's what a lot of people are chasing, but people get blinded by that as well, and that's when I think visions can turn to greed as well, and people get blinded by that, and that's how they get, you know, swept up in things, and they end up losing themselves yeah. essentially.
2: And so, so back onto like that network that sort of dropped off along the way. I mean, did did you sort of replace them with other other people, or did you find that it was better to go in there on the road yourself?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So when it comes to um you know the people you surround yourself like not to be corny but your network is your net worth so if you are literally surrounding yourself with people that continually doubt what you're doing um and i found myself in that scenario like fairly often people would literally you would propose an idea or i've just discovered this amazing you know thing that continues to happen on the charts let's integrated into our strategy let's work with it and they'll straight away start to doubt you they won't look to to test things or take things further Um, you need people that get excited for ideas and you need people that will support you and what you're doing and so that's why it's important to have like a community of people or even just a couple of guys that you go on the journey with so that when you hit those bad days you've got people that are there for you but also um people that you can bounce ideas off of. So like, for instance, like the strategies that I trade now, a lot of it is workshopped between, you know, fellow traders and people that, you know, I trust to share these things with and um, I bounce ideas off of them. And there was a point in time when the people I was bouncing ideas off of really took more from me than what they were giving me in terms of, um, you know, um, inspiration and, You know, overall, your psychology needs to be very, very positive when it comes to trading and you need to have a good, you know, mental state. And if there's people that are doubting everything that you do or criticizing everything that you do constantly, instead of being, you know, you you can be, you know, you can criticize things, but you need to give constructive criticism. So um, if you can find people that give you constructive criticism, people that, you know, build you up instead of break you down and people that, you know, work with you as a team. um, It's very, very important in your journey as a trader. But that being said, I mean, a lot of people don't have that option and they are stuck with who they're stuck with. But if you do find people that you work well with, it's, it's a lot better to, to, to go on that journey with other people if you can
2: yeah okay. and and so so like in terms of generating these ideas that you know you're sharing with this group of people i mean how would you go about the process of like here's an idea folks that i want to share with you and should we integrate it i mean how do you how does that process work
1: well that's the thing so you know early on in, in the journey um obviously when you start off the journey you are like i say everyone starts off with signals everyone starts off maybe trading these like crazy robots or whatever. Um, for me, it was mainly signals. Then you start moving on to, you know, strategies uh, that you are trading and you're trying to find the one. Um, and so you start strategy hopping and that obviously, as we know, is a very, very toxic thing. And so you start to hop from one strategy to another strategy. Eventually you you realize this is not helping me and you pick one that works for you. And then you get to the point of like, where you start to, you you love the strategy that you trade and it works for you. It works for your lifestyle. It works for your psychology. It works for your um, day-to-day life. Um, and you start to refine it. And then you learn things from other traders, you know, things that you see on YouTube or even, you know, there are certain, there are certain people as well that aren't public who you learn stuff from as well, who are just fellow traders, and you you learn something that like blows your mind and you incorporate it into your strategy. So for me it was more a thing of like workshopping ideas and workshopping a strategy. So I would just say, hey, I learned this this new thing. So for instance, like with me, um for majority of my trading, I was you know a smart money trader and um then obviously, I learned smart money before I learned ICT. And so after that, I started to learn a lot of, you know, things when it came to ICT. And I started incorporating them slowly into my strategy. And eventually, ICT almost completely took over. But my, my um, foundation was always with, you know, smart money concepts, supply and demand trading. And so for me, it was a thing of I integrated the things that worked for me and I got rid of the things that didn't work for me. And it helps to have people to workshop those ideas with.
0: All right, folks, I'm here at Black Bull Markets headquarters in Auckland, New Zealand. You can see this amazing view behind me of Auckland Harbour. Now, talking about views, if you do wanna get free TradingView Pro, then all you need to do is trade one lot a month at Black Bull Markets, and they're gonna give you a free TradingView Pro. So folks, to find out more, click the link in the description below or the card above. And
2: when you say workshop, I mean, what are you talking about? Like how, how do you, how do you workshop an idea?
1: Well, it's mainly just, you know, you bring, you bring the new ideas. So we would collectively be trading in this way because our ideas work together. And I just simply say, Hey, what if we add this in? And they'll say, Hey, I'm going to go test it out. And they go test it out and, they they find that it works well on this time frame, or it works better on that time frame, or works better on a different pair, or and so you're testing different things. There's so many different variables. So if you've got two or three you know friends that are on the same journey as you, and they're all workshopping these different ideas, um, you eventually come up with things that work. And, and what often happens, and what happens now um, with the, the people I associate with and I trade with is that they'll find things that work for them. And a lot of the time they'll find things that work for me as well. And we just trade the timeframes, the pairs, but the same concepts, but we trade the timeframes and pairs that work best for us. And I mean, obviously there's other variables as well.
2: And and how, how much, I mean, I'm assuming you, you guys are backtesting these to see if they work on which pairs and which timeframes. I mean, what would be a typical yeah. like, Sort of duration of a back test or number of trades that you would have been, or you you and your group would have been uh, happy with before you added something to a strategy.
1: Hmm, it depends. So it depends what time frame you're on. Obviously, if you you're back testing on on TradingView, you're a little bit limited depending on if you're on the lower time frames or not. Um, but obviously we've got other tools available. Um, you know we got software effects. We've got uh you know, blue effects. There's a few different backtesting softwares that we, we can use for that. But I mean, as much data as possible. Um, so what I like to do is I will collect as much as I can, um, in the back test, and then I will start to forward test on demo and also journal those down in my spreadsheet and then collect as many as I can, but I need to have a really decent sample size. So like between two to three hundred trades would be good. It just depends on the time frame, obviously. Um, but obviously, the, the the trade plan that I trade right now, um, I've gathered a ton of data on, um, and just because I've been trading it for the longest time. And so, obviously, small things change, but that's the nice thing is I can change those variables in you know my spreadsheet, and I can see how they affect my profitability and no. so if i if i want to modify things i can on the fly do it
2: okay because i mean with the with the sort of manual backtesting, there is very much like a uh and well the ability to have you know slightly different scenarios based on like here's my core strategy but what if i did this what if i did that what if i did this other thing are you recording all those at the same time for example like what if i took just one hour or what if I let it run for 5R? Would it have still made money? Or what if I move the stock to break even? That kind of thing. Do you factor that in when you're doing it, your sort of first run through of a backtest? Yeah. Or, okay, so every time you're taking a trade, you're going, okay, well, here are the four or five scenarios. And then he- yeah. here's how it so, would have played out. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's 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 the criteria that triggers the trade. And then there's obviously the management yeah. for the trade. I like to trade it as mechanically as possible. Obviously, the the other the other you know uh, benefits to backtesting is that you become familiar with you know obviously you can have a mechanical system but you also start to learn to add certain i don't want to say fully but you can add certain layers of discretion to your strategy that can improve your mm. your win rate but overall what i want is a strategy that is mechanically profitable even if you take all of the trades you're profitable but with experience, you can fine tune it and learn from the losers and the winners that you've recorded over hundreds of trades and use that knowledge to add discretion in a way that makes you more profitable.
2: And in terms of like, I suppose, if you dive into the detail here and go, you know, the reality is I'm guessing the guys that you partner with may not be in the same time zone as you, may not be even trading the same sessions as you. I mean, you might find that, you know, this trade was profitable, this next one wasn't. The one that was profitable was in a different time time zone that you weren't weren't going to be awake for. And the one that wasn't profitable was in your time zone. And you took that one. I mean, how does how do you factor in like the times you're actually going to be at the market and at the charts and and I suppose also factoring in backtest and into real life and real trading? How does that sort of correlation work?
1: Yeah, so obviously the first time that I go over a large, you know, uh, a large sample of data, I just pretty much record everything, but then I'm able to filter out, you know, the trade sessions. And that's also another variable that I can play around with, you know, if I'm only trading New York session, um, what is my win rate going to be like versus if I trade New York and London and, or what is London on its own? What is New York on its own? So yeah, I'm able to do that um you know um with the data and it makes a lot of difference but generally you know uh, there's a lot of things that I just tried and tested like the strategy that I've been using um it's just been working so amazingly so far and like i say at the moment i i i pretty much only um work with um one friend of mine that i trade with and we run our community together and um that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, they say, keep your circle small. So yeah, eventually you just find people that work on your same wavelength and um, it helps a lot when it comes to a lot of people see things differently. So like you say, you know, people in different time, time zones and people that have different, you know, psychological, you know, hurdles versus you. Mm. Um, it helps to find people that are on your same wavelength to work with and so we trade very similarly so that's why we're able to you know um we're able to trade in a in a, in a similar way as well as you know run a community where we we educate others on that
2: um, because could, we have
1: to be on the same wavelength
2: yeah yeah, yeah it makes sense it makes sense and it's and, I, and, and it's a good insight into like how you know why people may want to want to spread their sort of community to, or network of, of, uh, trading buddies. Now, what I'm interested in finding out is like, say for example, I'm assuming you put a, put this information to a spreadsheet, um, around your back testing mean, Would you, could you give us like an example row on that spreadsheet of like how that would, what information would be filled in there?
1: Um, yeah, I could, um, <laughs> I have to go and have a look for it though. I haven't gone through it in a Really, really long time.
0: Ah, okay, um, right. Okay. So, right. I mean, okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be perfect. If you, if you were gonna like sort of, if you will say, I mean, would you be put, filling in like maybe ten columns of data per trade, or would it be less than that?
1: Mm, yeah. So, I mean, the main thing is like the trade management. So, again, like you were saying, is it going to be better to, you know, how long are we holding the trade for? firstly um so that's also really important um in terms of you know risk reward ratio also really important your stop size really important but that being said with my strategy I'm you know the stop size is variable so it's not a set stop size it's based on you know where my where my lows are um we want to cover those obviously and then obviously your entry, can vary to some degree. If your stop is too large, you can, you know, reduce it um, by entering at the 50% of that. Um, So yeah, there's a few different variables when it comes to that. And then obviously um, the session. So, you know, what time the trade was taken. So obviously um, if there's more winning trades in a specific um, session, you know, obviously we can use that to filter trades out as well. Um, so yeah, those are the really important variables that need to be recorded. Um, and then also like down to the strategy, obviously as well, I mean, there's different variations of entries, so there's different criteria. Um, so how big is, you know, the, um, displacement that happens when your entry happens? So obviously that's, you know, the candle that sort of gives you your, your entry. Um, when it comes to people that trade ICT will know you've got a displacement that happens when liquidity is swept and we want to also record like how many pips was that displacement and how aggressive was that move that triggered the entry? Because a lot of the times, you know, people get faked out and um, yeah. And also obviously the bigger that displacement, the bigger the gap is that's created. So we, it's a good thing to record as well um, for data.
2: And what about like uh time of, you know how off, how long would you spend back testing, and in, in a back testing session, how many trades would you place on a spreadsheet?
1: Mm, it really depends. Depends on how much time I have, but I, I'm the kind of person who just gets lost in it, and I, I just spend as long as I can. Um, but yeah, it, it really varies. There's no like set set amount. Um, that being said, like I'm in the phase now where I'm mainly just trading. Um, I spend my time back testing quite a while ago and i found what works for me and um yeah i i I just i record um sometimes i record actual pictures of my um trades just almost like as like a like a mental kind of snapshot so that i know this is what i'm looking out for because it's important i believe it's important to do that now and then um it you know if i see something that's like picture perfect Um, or if I take a loss that, um, you know, could have been avoided in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, or like I say, for example, my, my trading is overall very, um, you know, very objective. There's no real, um, guesswork around it, but like I say, introducing that discretion gives you a bit more, um, a bit higher of a win rate, um, but obviously that comes with experience. And so taking those like mental snapshots allowed me to, you know, cement that experience a bit, a bit better. Um, I don't do it as frequently as I used to. I used to record like everything yeah, and, um, you know, keep like a, like a, like a gallery of my great trades and, you know, my average trades and my, you know, great trades that ended up being losers or you know, those kinds of things.
2: And, and how did you store that information?
1: Um, I used uh, Notion, was really, really good for it. I know a lot of people use Notion um, for journaling. Um, so that, that was really, really good. And you can obviously also, um, with it, you can store a lot of your stats on it as well. Um, yeah. But I prefer obviously just using spreadsheets for it because you can, you know, it's a lot more flexible to some degree. Um, but when it comes to adding, you know, images and stuff like that, um, it allows you to like sort the images. So you can like um, almost like have a tag of like winning trades or, you know, great trades or valid trades or trades that were valid but lost, etc., cetera, et cetera, And so you can filter through those. And um, yeah, so if you're looking at, you know, say you've taken a trade now, and you're like, oh, did it did I was this trade really something that I should have taken? You can go back and these are the great trades. Does it have this criteria? Um, and I mean, obviously eventually it just becomes second nature to you. But when you're starting out, it really helps. So that's that's what I advise a lot of um people to do when they're starting out
0: tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts introducing my robot builders club with our platform you can build bots in minutes not weeks without any coding required get lifetime access to my video course vip community and over 40 ready made robots works with mt4 or mt5 and as a bonus you'll get three months access to my robot lab where we build and test bots on live calls every week join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter not harder click the link in the description to learn more get the free training and download a free and so so that transition between, you know, like gather, gathering the data, getting the back tests, you know, I've
2: done the back, te- I've done the testing. I, I'm, I'm happy with the strategy. I know what I'm looking for now to trading it live and, you know, your first endeavor into taking this particular strategy into a live environment. How did that go? Was it smooth sailing? Um, and was that the sort of moment where you're like, man, this is all, it's, it's clicked. You've had that click moment.
1: Um, the short answer is no, uh, because it's, it all comes down to psychology. You you've done your backtesting. You've, you've seen it work out over so much data and you take it live and your first trade ends up being a loss and your second trade ends up being a loss. And now psychologically you're like, Oh, what if you start to have your doubts? Um, and even after, you know, a couple of years of trading, you still have doubts. and so even then you, you still struggle. And for me, I never had an aha moment. The aha moment was kind of when I realized that you just have to push through that psychological doubt. And once I pushed through that and I stuck to the plan, then everything fell into place. And that's after a while, you start to have that aha moment because all of the stuff that you, you practice doesn't always, you know, it it will, data that you've collected and backtesting, you're not always going to have that same confidence when you're taking a live trade, especially when you've jumped into, for example, so you're like, Oh, I'm really, really confident. I'm going to take a funded challenge. Um, and you jump straight into it, which I don't advise. Um, I would recommend just having a demo for a couple of weeks. Um, people jump into stuff way too quickly. And obviously that's going to heighten your emotions. And heightening your emotions clouds your judgment, and then it's game over. And then it's just a downhill spiral from there. So you want to work your way up slowly, um, and that's that's also something that t- it took me a while to learn. And once I managed to grasp that, it was a lot easier for me to take a strategy from backtesting, take it to live. Gather all the data. You have to kind of stay motivated, and if if you're if you jump in at the wrong point where there's a losing streak of trades, you're really not going to have the motivation to carry on and and allow the trade uh, allow the trade mm-hmm. probabilities to play out over say a month. Versus, hey, I've just had a really bad week. Um, maybe the strategy just isn't all that all that I had tested. Um, so and yeah, and if, if you if you um... pushed through, it was great.
2: If you, if you, I mean, I, I, you probably don't remember, it was a couple of years ago, but I mean, those first two losing trades, do you do you remember ever going back and back testing it and going, okay, I would have taken that trade in the back test and it would have been a loss and I would have yeah. taken the other one and it would have been a loss. Did you do that or?
1: Yeah, exactly. But the, the, you see, the problem was is that I was impatient. So I had jumped straight onto funding challenges immediately mm-hmm. and I took those trades and I took them you know i'm like oh my probabilities are high here i can maybe get you know two maybe three losses in a row so hey let's just risk 1% which sounds okay but i mean if you're taking a higher you know if you look at it if you if you look at it over the sample of data um you're risking 1% is a little bit too high because you know if you if you've got a lower risk reward which ict often does um, you can sometimes have a losing week and that losing week is going to push you pretty close to that max loss and psychologically you're not going to be able to handle it you're going to start to you know either leverage up people either leverage up or they leverage down and just end up fizzling out the account anyway and not being able to recover so yeah and um, all all I ended up doing was just, it's a stupid thing, but you literally just have to stick to your original plan and and not be greedy. That's that's all it boils down to. And and, and when you're back testing and collecting data, it's almost a complete. Well, a lot of people say it's a completely different thing. Mm. Um, but once you you're able to control those emotions, um, which starts with controlling what you do, because if you if you hop into a strategy too quickly without you could even have tested it a lot, but if you hop into it too quickly with too much risk on the table, firstly, and, um, you know, if you've got too much on the line, secondly, for example, like when I hopped into one of my biggest, you know, funded challenges, you know, I had just like literally, you know, got the most expensive account I could get. And I literally spent all my money on it. (laughs) And I was like, I need to make this work. And I did, thankfully, I did actually make it work, uh, that particular time, but if I hadn't, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how I did because really psychologically, that's the worst thing you could have ever have done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was my, my nice little break that I made. And, um, yeah, from there it was, it was still difficult because, you know, um, psychologically you still have to deal with with um ups and downs but eventually you nail it down so and so
2: so what was that sort of journey into what was that journey into like you know the capital that you had and you know working a retail driver i mean it doesn't sound like you were making tons of money there um you had your online stuff on the side but i mean how did that how did that sort of capital growth happen
1: yeah so like I say, pretty much all of the money that I earned in my retail job went directly into education or it went into either funding accounts or yeah, many, many, you know, everything went into trading education or funding, you know, either private accounts or funded accounts. And so from that, um, you know, I grew a lot, but you know, psychologically it also shoots you in the foot a little bit. So um I learned a lot of, you know, concepts that I started to employ in my in my trading um through that. But I really made, you know, the big leap when, you know, this was when um funded challenges started to really start popping off. And once I discovered that and the sort of leverage that it gives you, that was like a really big light bulb for me because one thing I really struggled to do was take you know really small accounts and make something significant of it if if that means you know compounding it or um you know risking slightly higher amounts on a on a private account whereas you know on a funded account it's literally like half a percent per trade usually mm. um and all I saw again was you know people trading these these small accounts and flipping them, or, you know, some of the more sensible people compounding them. And I'm like, but I can't, what's the point of doing that? I'm not going to be able to make enough to, you know, flip my 500 or whatever, $300 account to enough to live on. But then once I saw I could take $300 and buy a funded account and make a few percent a month, And make a few thousand dollars per month. I was like, this is this is a serious advantage. This is serious leverage, and that was a big, big moment for me. And um, I managed to, I literally managed to pass like one of the first funded accounts that I ever got, which was very lucky for me because, like I said, I poured all my money into it, and I got the most expensive one I could get, and I managed to get it payout from it, and. I was very, very <laughs> lucky with that um, because my strategy was not ready. It was getting there, but my psychology was not right. I mm. was over leveraging. I wasn't following my rules properly, but I learned from that. And you learn because you've got the funded account now, and now you start to learn firstly how funded accounts work versus, you know, regular brokerage accounts and, how you can leverage them differently and how to trade them differently because you do have to trade them differently. They're not they're not the same. Um, you, you you're wanting to get to a goal every month with your prop account so you can withdraw, whereas with a funded account you can withdraw uh, with your regular brokerage account you can withdraw whenever you want. Mm. So um, it's a completely different ball game, and and then obviously passing challenges completely different ball game as well. Um, and I learned I learned more um about you know passing challenges than I did trading normal brokerage accounts and that's why I just trade funded accounts now um with prop firms it's just it's just so much better and psychologically it gives me an edge and obviously the leverage that they give you with the bigger account gives me an edge as well. so and that, that was have, a big game changer for me
2: if you had to like give some advice to people that are you know going into a, a challenge, uh, for example, or they've you know managed to pass the challenge stage and they're in the in the funded stage. What what sort of what are three big things that you sort of found you know are things you learn o- along the way that are useful to to know?
1: Well, the one thing is um, you need to get that first withdrawal, and even if it's a small amount, get that first withdrawal and get the refund as quickly as you can. Don't get greedy because literally that third that third phase. So you have to understand that prop firms, yes, most of the time they're two phases, but there are actually three phases, phase one, phase two, and the phase where you are funded because you, you still, you're still not break even yet. You still haven't gotten your challenge refund yet. Um, But once you're able to withdraw and you get your, your refund back, psychologically, that's the biggest deal for me because it allows you to, psychologically detach from that account, you no longer have invested that $300 or $500 or whatever you paid to to do the evaluation. No longer, that's not on the line anymore. And for me, that made me so much more capable to follow my trade plan. And it allowed me to detach because, you know, a lot of traders talk about um, invest what you can afford to lose. But when you there's literally nothing to lose, then how 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 can you not follow your trade plan? And the only reason you would not is just out of pure greed. It wouldn't be out of fear. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was saying, like you've got something you're running towards, and you've got running something you're running away from. At that point, there's nothing to run away from. There's only greed, which can be really bad. And that's why most people lose their accounts. It's because they get to the funded stage. And they're a good trader. They were following their rules the whole way. They get to the funded stage and they see green and they make a couple thousand dollars on the account. But they're like, hey, I made 8% on my phase one. Let me try and push for 8%. That's going to be, if you're on a 100K account, that's going to be $8,000. That's amazing. And they try to push for it, but they have a bad month. And it's their month where they end up with a bit of drawdown. As we know, like with collecting data, you're going to have months where you end in the red. It's just how it is. And you start to go into the red and with the prop firm, you start to, you know, as you tick into drawdown, you're going to, a lot of people psychologically lose their bearings on things. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to risk a little bit more. Or, like I said, when people start going into drawdown, they either risk more or they risk less. That's what I tend to see with people that I help and they start to risk less. And by risking less, they they don't get out of their drawdown or they risk more and blow it. Um, So or they overtrade in general and um, have too many trades open and that um, hits their, you know, the the max daily drawdown. Um, So basically what I would say is have a plan and stick to it um, obviously, which is the basics of trading. But um, once you get that refund, it's a lot easier to stick to that plan. And that's, in a nutshell, um, it helps you remove your emotions from yeah. from things a lot. It's more. good. It's good.
2: Good advice. I think you're like yeah, it's getting that. Don't try and shoot for the moon once you've got the funded account. Just get the refund. It's get good. Like a, a great advice. Yeah, it's great. Great advice.
1: Yeah. And just wait. Just wait. Because people are like, oh, I got one percent, and it's been week one. That same person with one or two percent in week one, and they're like, oh, but I can just push it for the next three weeks and then I'm going to make 6%. So they end up going either into the red or they just end up blowing their account because they, those are the greedy people. (laughs) So yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I've been in that exact same scenario. And that's why I give that advice. Yeah. I've been in the green on the account and I'm like, Hey, three more weeks. Imagine what could happen, but you don't take into account that um, emotionally, you've just gotten this account and you, you you're not thinking straight so yeah. once you get that refund your brain is so much clearer to make better decisions on that so, account. so it's
2: almost like even if you've got a month to wait for the payout and you make one percent on the funded account wait for the rest of the month or like really reduce your risks down to like you know point zero yeah. one or something like that um, so 0.1 of a percent until the end of the month. And then to get the damn refunds pay out and then whatever other profit you make uh, and then start doing it again. But now at that point, you psychologically, you're probably at a different hurdle. Yeah. You're, you're just at a different level. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's a good. few like, yeah.
1: there's a few like hacks essentially that you can use with prof firms that you can't really use with, you know, trading conventionally with a broker. And that's the kind of things that I was talking about, you know, leveraging prof firms, So once you have multiple funded accounts, okay, you can, there's a few little like tricks that I figured out. And I know there's a few other people that do this. So if you've got, for example, two 100K accounts and the one account, let's say is in the scenario we were talking about before, all you do is you literally make your one or 2% on that account. And it's a lot easier to do that and just wait When guess what? You've got another funded account that's already funded and you've already gotten the refund for. And so you wait for the refund on the other account and you trade the other account at a lower risk. And that's what I do. So I what I do, and I've I've got a video on of on this on my YouTube, is I basically have multiple accounts. I have low risk accounts and I have high risk accounts. And the low risk account is there for. Say I go into a larger drawdown, because I'm risking so little, I literally risk like a quarter of a percent. So literally with drawdown rules, that means I can hit like literally 40 losses in a row, maybe less if you work out with spreads or whatever. And you can literally take that many losses and still be fine. And so your edge will always play out, but you've also got higher risk uh, accounts, that allows you to really make good returns. And if they blow, so what? You've got the lower risk accounts that firstly gives you income and secondly gives you money to purchase bigger accounts that you can use to leverage a little bit more. Mm. Um, So that's one hack. And the other hack is copy trading. So for example, you use your copy trader and you trade your smallest account with the smallest amount of risk. So, like I said, I've got a low, low risk account. I always trade on the low risk account with very small risk, and it scales up. So I have lot multipliers that scale up to my bigger accounts. So I'm trading like a hundred k account where I'm risking a quarter of a percent. So it's literally two hundred and fifty dollars. But that's scaling up to like a two hundred k account that's risking maybe one percent or even one and a half percent. So I mean that's like literally three thousand dollars, but I'm just seeing two hundred and fifty dollars of risk that I'm risking. But in the back of my mind, I know that there's three thousand dollars on the other account. Yeah. But you don't when you see the two fifty, it's a it's a big detachment between two fifty and three thousand. And so psychologically, that's like one of the biggest hacks. It sounds stupid, but it really no, really it's, works it's, so it's,
2: well. It's clever. I mean, it's, I suppose you could do. But the reality is, you could do that on any any broker account if you just start trading with a broker as well. You could just, you know, copy your trades from a a, a you know a small demo account to your yeah. brokerage account and whatever account you want really. I tried that, but it's it's not really the same because
1: you need that live account as your master because you're like you still need to know that it's live. Uh, yeah, okay, but, right, right. Yeah. But you still see the smaller numbers, which yeah yes
2: yeah, yeah. All right. Let's dive into it. We're we're cracking on to getting up towards the end of this. So um we're gonna dive into some quickly quick fire questions here. Well, not quick fire, not my normal quick fire. Let's get your trading stats to start off with. So how often are you how many trades are you taking a week? In a week, probably
1: like three, four.
2: And what's week. your what's your typical win percentage?
1: Uh I'd like to with this current tr- strategy I'm trading, it's about sixty-five percent. Around there, 60 to 70.
2: And risk to reward per trade?
1: Uh, One to two risk reward.
2: And what instruments do you trade?
1: Um, So generally, Euro, USD, and then I do indices as well. So US 30, uh, NASDAQ sometimes, but generally US 30.
2: And what does your typical trading day look like? Um, So
1: I only trade New York session at the moment. So I literally am on the charts um, for about three hours, uh, if that. Um, Usually I'm done in about an hour, hour and a half.
2: And thinking about like traders mindset, do you have any special sort of tricks or hacks or something you could share with the listeners today?
1: Essentially, the biggest thing I could recommend is it's like, I say this like a lot, but getting, for example, becoming a profitable trader is super easy, but it's not simple. Okay. Um, So how I, how I like to say that is, well, sorry, it's the other way around. It's super simple, but it's not easy. So basically, as long as you've got a plan and you follow the plan, okay, you will be profitable. If it's something that's been proven to work over data, you will be profitable based on those past trades. And it's almost like if you go to the gym and you want to get in shape, you get a plan that somebody else has used in the gym to get in shape. If you follow the diet, you follow the exercise plan, you will get in shape. But the problem comes in with discipline and following the plan. So as long as you have the plan that's proven to work and you follow it, you'll be profitable. So get the plan and get the discipline. And you will be profitable. It's as simple as that.
2: Right. Nice. Um, well, do, I mean, I suppose asking a different question. I mean, do you do any sort of like mindset kind of things personally <clears throat> before you start a trading session?
0: Mm,
1: personally, obviously, before I start a session, I don't want to go into it being in any kind of like heightened state of emotions. That being said, like emotionally, I'm not somebody that should have ever gone into trading because emotionally, <laughs> I I am a too much of an emotional person. But what I've done is I've put things into place that make my trading as emotionless as possible so that I can avoid emotions at all costs. So for me, my trade plan in and of itself is so simple that it it allows me to psychologically detach from any emotions that I that I might have. So I literally had to pull out all the stops when it came to removing emotion because I couldn't do it just in and of myself. I had to have things in place that would stop me from trading emotionally.
2: Um, Okay. And what about what timeframes do you trade? So timeframes
1: I trade at the moment on the one minute. And that's the other thing as well that helped me, you know, limit my emotions or discretion to some degree. I just trade the 1 minute and I just trade a specific window of time. So it really helps me cut out the noise. That being said, people say 1 minute has a lot of noise anyway, but I'm not flipping through a bunch of time time frame to try and make a decision. I just see what's there and I I react to it.
2: Right. So just yeah, so I was going to say multi time frame analysis is not something you do. You literally just 1 minute time frame bang the setup's there or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's all just as little discretion as possible. And when you've got multiple time frames, it can complicate things a lot. That being said, I mean, a lot of people use it to their advantage, but for me, um, this is just the way that I ended up trading. That being said, the reason I'm able to do this because I trade such a small window of time. Um, so I, I'm not looking at stuff that happened, you know, a month ago, mm. I'm just trading that small window. In and perception. and
2: do you, on, and just on the one minute, I mean, do you have any issues with like slippage and uh, you know spreads and stuff uh um, getting into a trade? Like, do, degree... you, do you do you? Sorry, the other question I was going to ask was, do you use like market orders or stop orders? Because I know stop or limit orders can, well, limit will slip in your favor, but stop orders will slip against hmm. you typically.
1: Yeah, so I like to try and uh, market order when I can. Um, just because of that reason, that being said, um, like I'm not trying to trade with a tiny stop loss. So, I mean, generally my stops are fairly wide and that's again, why I like ICT over, you know, trading supply and demand type of trading. Um, especially people that, you know, enter on the one minute or even sometimes lower, Mm -hmm. they've got like one pip stops or two pip stops or something ridiculous. And yeah, that, that, Psychologically, it just didn't work with me. So, I I like to have a wider stop so that I could have a higher um win rate and maybe it's a lower risk reward. But the higher win rate just worked psychologically better for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I I don't really stress too much about slippage because my stops are yeah. fairly large and I'm market ex- executing as well.
2: Um, and what's your favorite entry setup?
1: So my favorite entry setup. It's always pretty much the same thing. So I'm literally just looking for um, the market to take the lows or the highs of the day, um, which I mark out. Not the lows or highs of the day, but basically lows and highs of Asia range, which I have like clearly marked out. As soon as it does that, I look for the displacement that happens. So it reacts. Um, sometimes it can continue to go lower because it's hunting people stops a bit lower. I look for the reaction it must be like a decent displacement where there is a gap so an imbalance or a fair value gap and then i enter on that gap and i put my stops below um and that's pretty much it that's Mm. that's my entire trade plan and that's the same setup that i
2: take most times and uh what about like managing trades how do you manage them
1: so i manage trades one to two risk reward um so Um, one interesting thing is that obviously if my stops are a little bit too large and the, you know, risk rewards a little bit off, I will sometimes like use a Fibonacci and I'll go at like the 50% of that zone. Um, but basically I like to have, you know, one to two, and then I will most of the time go break even at, um, one-to-one, um. That being said, I mean, I've brought in some discretion with that, so I like to look at, you know, how how the market's pushed, et cetera, et cetera, and I like to base my decision off of that. But if I'm teaching the strategy to newer people, I say literally just follow those rules mm. because they don't have the experience to know.
2: And if you, if you do that, I mean, how often do you get stopped out at break even if you're just going to literally do one 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 to one break even?
1: Um. Yeah, a little bit higher than if I use my discretion, and obviously using the discretion, you know, brings emotions into to some degree, which is why I don't suggest it to newer traders. But um, yeah, when you when you when you're trading a one to one and going break even, um, yeah, you've got a little bit of a higher uh, percentage chance of mm. um, getting stopped out. But that being said, the strategy works whether you go break even at one to one or whether you don't. So mm. I I need to actually go over the data again and go through it. But personally, the way I've been trading it, sometimes I do go break even at one-to-one and other times, depending on how the market's moved, I'll just let it keep going. If it starts to, to range a lot, then, um, and I can see that there is, you know, more pools of liquidity to push it higher, then I will just leave the I'll leave the stop loss open. I mean, not leave the stop loss open, but I, I won't go break even. Mm. Um, I'll just let it go.
2: Awesome. Right now, um, what about a, tr- a trading book or resource you could recommend?
1: Um, I didn't read a ton of trading books. I mean, I read like quite a lot of you know, like psychology books. Um, but probably the best one I read, and probably one that most people will say, is just Trading in the Zone. Really good book. Um, can't really fault it, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't read a ton of trading books, <laughs> but that was a really good book.
2: Yeah, well, what's your preferred broker and trading platform?
1: Um, so I trade mainly uh, with prop firms. Um, I traded a little bit on you know when I was trading um, private accounts. I traded with XNES They're pretty good brokerage. Um, and then prop firms at the moment, my favorite is blue guardian for prop firms. Um, they've just got really nice rules and, um, their platform's really nice.
2: Yeah. Do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade?
1: I don't even know if I have a worst ever trade. Um, I I've tried to think of it, but honestly, there's been so many bad trades that I can't even think of the worst one. Right. Um, to be honest, they probably all look the same. They probably all end with me either blowing a funded account or not getting a withdrawal. Um, and I think it's a lot easier for people that trade like f- private accounts or, you know, brokerage accounts, uh, because maybe they had a ton of money in their brokerage account. But when it comes to funded accounts, it's pretty much always ends up bad trades always end up with you losing the funded yeah. account. What, so what about- there's nothing that really sticks out to me.
2: What about the, I mean, just to put it in perspective, but so people can sort of relate to it, how many funded accounts do you think you've lost, or sorry, funded challenges do you think you've, you've blown?
1: Mm, I'd probably say probably like 10. Oh. Um, that being said, um, you know, I've obviously been profitable on the ones that I have and I've kept many of them for many years, but, um, if you look at my YouTube, I I do recommend having certain accounts that you go like balls to the wall with and you really, really leverage and you have ones that you just go really, really low um, risk. And those ones have stuck with me for literally I've had accounts for over a year and a half to two years. Um, and then I've had accounts that, you know, I made profit with for a couple of months and then I have a bad month, but because I'm risking one and a half to 2% on them and I'm really pushing them. If you have a bad month, you have a bad month and they go, but that's part of the overall risk management plan. So, yeah, I've had a quite a couple go. As and and what's that, what's,
2: what's the, uh, what's funny. like the, the biggest payout you've had from a funded account? if you're going balls to the wall with with some of these ones?
1: Payout. Biggest payout. So mm, I think it was a 200K account. Um, I pushed for about 12. I think it got $12,000 off of that, which isn't a whole ton. It's about 6%. Um, But that's the, the reason I like trading those as well. Like I say, I'll have a couple of those accounts and once I get to a nice number, like 6% or so, I think it was more about seven, seven and a half. But because of obviously um, your profit split, I got a bit less. Um, so I just banked it at that level. And then I went on to the other higher risk account as well. And so I just switched that account off once I, once I was happy. <laughs> right. um, I like to shoot for like that 5 6% kind of mark. And then I'm I'm pretty happy. I don't try to push it for like, Crazy amounts on yeah. those, especially on bigger accounts.
2: Cool. Awesome. Well, look, um, last question. If we uh if you got one bit of advice you could leave our listener listeners with. Oh,
1: um sorry, I thought you were gonna carry on. No, that no, was it. sorry, I already screwed
2: that question up. But
1: anyway, yes. no, if not... you could leave our listeners <laughs> with one good.
2: piece of piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Um, like I said earlier, okay. Firstly have a trading plan and stick to it um which the hard part is sticking to it finding one is easy but the biggest one of the biggest things that helped me was finding people that are doing exactly what you want to be doing and make friends with them so for me one of my biggest like breakthroughs was when I started meeting traders so I I would go to like these brokerage events and and those kinds of things. And I started meeting traders that weren't on social media, weren't like pushing courses. They weren't selling anything. So I knew, Hey, this guy has to be making it as a trader and that you start talking to them and you become friends with them and you learn the way that they're trading. Firstly, you know that they've done it through trading and not through any other kind of, you know, social media, you know, uh, opportunities but you you can you can psychologically show your brain that this is real and you can do it somebody else is doing it so why aren't i able to do it and that's basically what happened with me i saw them you you can see people from a distance on social media and your brain kind of clicks off from it you kind of detach yourself from it and say hey that's just a dream but then when you meet somebody and you become friends with them and they're doing it you you can literally be like, I know this person. I, I had coffee with them yesterday. They're doing it. I can definitely do it because they've done it and they've shown me that they're doing it. And a lot of the time, traders start to think, hey, this whole thing is just one big scam and it's nothing is real because there's so much fake stuff out there. But when you see somebody and you meet somebody that's real, if you find them, Hold on to that person and try and learn as much from them as possible and try to become as familiar with them as possible because it teaches your brain that it is possible and it shows you that it's real and you can
2: do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's funny. Like when I first started out, I I also was in that same bucket of I don't think anyone's actually making money in this industry. Yeah. Until I met somebody that was, and it's it's all of a sudden it changes. Now, um, before you wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh
1: Instagram, it's garland.trader um yeah that's probably the best way to get a hold of me
2: brilliant well look folks Um, A big thank you to Ethan for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those links are in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Ethan in the search box on tradingnut.com.
0: Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there you have an interview done and dusted. Now, do remember, if you do want to watch that video and find out that one minute trading strategy that is based on ICT concepts, then that's dropping on the YouTube channel very soon. Go and check it out. Other things to remember, we've got the one of three $50,000 evaluations from Blue Guarding being given away if you want to enter that there's a link underneath this podcast uh, description or YouTube video and it's only running this week so if you missed out then you've got that 10% off coupon code you can use at Blue Guardian uh, it's all one word trading nut and that's going to get you some savings uh, other things we've got the live streams we've got that 100k account from Blue Guardian being traded on the live stream so make sure you check that out and also I'm possibly going to build Ethan strategy in my robot lab live this coming month so if you do want to try and jump on board that and we may or may not do it then there's that one dollar trial that you can pick up there or join the robot builders club and learn how to build robots yourself all right folks enough from me thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one